This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. All right, good afternoon. Welcome to the Edge of Innovation. My name is Dan Buckley, and I'm here with Paul Parisi, and we're going to discuss some tech trends in the news together today. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, Dan. Great to have you, as oh, always. Great to be anywhere. <laughs> So lately I've been doing some research looking at an article in Business Insider about autonomous vehicles. That's our first topic. So in terms of autonomous vehicles, I I see a lot of that in the news, a lot of information about different companies pursuing that market. And my question for you, firstly, is do you think we're approaching an age of self-driving cars? Well, I think that's an interesting question. It's inevitable in some form or fashion. We already have self-driving cars, and there's a lot of people who... I, I guess what I was surprised is the accident in Arizona that occurred that really no humans were held accountable for it. And, you know, so a woman was killed by a self-driving car that made a mistake. And Yeah, I think I remember that. It's fascinating to me that no humans were charged with manslaughter or murder or anything like that, which is a very troubling thing. Because if you made a consumer electronics device or any kind of device that, you know, killed somebody, you could get fined or sued for that wrongful death. And so I don't know all of the technical details of the law and the legal case on that, but it was surprising to me that the, the full latitude they have to test this in the real world and the worst case happened. Now, having said that, I do think they will come about. I think that if you look at you know, different portrayals in the media about them or in TV or science fiction or things like that. You know, we have a lot of, there's subtle things out there. You know, what what happens when an autonomous vehicle goes crazy or gets hacked as we're, you know, we're learning that it's so easy to hack things and certainly in ways that are completely unanticipated by the person developing the system. We've covered a person on here, I think we've talked about it, the um, catch me if you can person. Frank Abagnale, and he works for the FBI, helping them sort of hack things, if you will, more from social point of view. But in one of his recent talks, he talked about the fact that uh, the FBI has tools and technology to be able to interrupt the working of a car or take over a car within 500 feet. Wow. So that's a car that's not autonomous. So autonomous has a whole bunch of issues with it. There's a TV series of a few years ago, a science fiction one uh, by Halle Berry called Extant. And it's it's very much science fiction, but it it is slightly into the future. It might be 20 or 50 years from now. And they have autonomous cars. And one of the main people in there gets into a car and is being driven and is driven right in front of a train. And so, it, you know, it's not really Ouch. giving away anything to it. But yeah, that, that he didn't survive. So what's preventing that from happening? There's not a lot. Being somebody that's fairly aware of cybersecurity and things like that and using things against their original design, I see a whole bunch of issues around that. I think they will happen, but it's going to be very interesting. I think we're going to start to see more things like utilizing rail, light rail, in ways that we hadn't thought about. I think that has to be a a necessary stepping stone to it. But it's going to be interesting because as, as cars become more autonomous and they're out there, there's going to be more and more legal issues of them having done bad things. And somebody is going to be prosecuted for that. 
it's going to come down to humans being imprisoned or fined or penalized for that. Yeah, that seems a little bit scary to think of, you know, when programming an app or something, you might have a few bugs that need to be worked out. Mm -hmm. And those are bugs, that's understandable. But in this case, it's almost like you have a bug and it kills somebody. Right. Are you culpable? Or whose fault is that? I don't see why you wouldn't be. I I just don't see why you wouldn't be. I, I couldn't cite it, but I'm sure there's case law for consumer products failing and causing somebody to die. I mean, if you think back just over the GM issue with the stuck accelerator over the past 10 years or 15 years, I forget what it is, but GM was found liable for that. And that was a completely unintended consequence. It was a it was a software hardware error. And you know, right now they've they've grounded the Boeing 737 because the software in it might have a glitch in it. Airplanes are one of the most protected things in the world. The software in it isn't readily accessible. It's not readily hackable, and it's not a hack of the problem. It's actually a flaw in the way it takes sensor readings from its sensors on board and tells the plane to do things that are counterproductive and ended up crashing the plane in two two cases. So when you have that type of autonomy or the engagement of technology in a car, so you're in a car and you press the brakes and it stops. Well, I hack your car and I turn off that fly-by-wire and now all of a sudden you don't have it. And in fact, 20 years ago when fly-by-wire was coming out in a car where we had, you know, the originally when cars were designed, when you push the brake pedal, a lever moved that pushed the brakes. And, you know, it, it would, uh, some hydraulics and things like that. But that steering wheel was connected to the wheels that were turning. And so there was a tremendous concern that as cars became more fly-by-wire that you were turning a wheel that was completely disconnected from the wheels and then electric motor would turn the wheels or some other linkage would do that. What happens if that fails? We've gotten past that, but I guarantee if there was a problem with that, there'd be huge liability. Yeah, this is a a question that came to mind as well. As time progresses, obviously we have to go through a certain amount of training in order to operate a motor, motor vehicle, and we're expected to do that. Whereas if cars become completely automated, will we be maybe in a place where that training is no longer required and perhaps that could present some issues as well if if there's the lack of human understanding of the way that it works and they just expect it to work without any sort of license. Well I would think so. It's called a bus. We have to know nothing to be able to use a bus and that autonomousness, there'll be a phase at which you know in order to ride in a autonomous vehicle you have to be in the driver's position and you have to be ready to drive. So I think that you'll see an adoption curve where you start to see it. It's like cruise control. And that's largely what we have now. You know, So if you have a Tesla and you're driving down the road and you're getting too close to something, it stops or it will pull you off the side of the road if something's going wrong and things like that. So they've given it some autonomy, but a person has to be sitting there. And if you start to nod off, it will actually pull you off the side of the road. So those are good things. Those are certainly, you know, beneficial and following too closely or things around you, collision avoidance and all that. Those can be very helpful. I haven't really studied whether they make mistakes or what the implications of the mistakes are. But I do think that eventually, if autonomous vehicles live up to any of their hype, that you will have non-licensed drivers that won't even have a concept of a license. It'll just be a matter of getting in and going where you need to go. The thing that I think is going to be interesting is 
most people don't like taking the bus. Well, so I live in suburbia outside of Boston, and buses don't come to my house. Yes. But you live more in the city, and I'm sure buses are a viable alternative for you. Is that true? Certainly, yeah. It's, I could get here in the same amount of time. I could get to the other side of Boston, you know, driving a car. So but would almost, would you? I tend to prefer the autonomy to some extent. Well, is it the autonomy, or is it just simply the the cleanness of your car? Not having to deal with people and the smells and the and the delays and the constraints of that. So there's you know in America yeah. we get we, we get to superintend all of our outcomes. Whether we're effective at that or not is another discussion. But one of the biggest things is that you know I don't want to take the bus. I mean we've been rewatching Seinfeld and you know there's a lot of comments about the icky things in society that they make fun of, they make great fun of. And one of the things is that a bus isn't the most pleasant place to be. If you go to San Francisco and the BART is really well cared for, or if you go to D.C. and you go to the trains, the subway in D.C. is really well cared for. But it's not necessarily your first choice. You'd probably say, I'd rather take an Uber or a limo. And one of the differentiators is is that they keep it clean and it's nice. Yeah, I feel like a bus isn't afraid of getting a bad rating necessarily, like an individual bus. Right. So I wonder about autonomous vehicles. I think initially we will own vehicles that do the driving for us, but we still have to have a driver in the seat ready to deal with an emergency. The difficulty for me there is how bad would you feel if you were the driver of an autonomous vehicle and it accelerated and ran over somebody under your watch? And you didn't, it wasn't your fault. Let's say you didn't do anything. It just made a mistake. I'd feel horrible. So when once you divest yourself of that responsibility, maybe you are distracted. Maybe it accelerates and you forget to, you, know, you don't have the time reaction to disengage. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting you mentioned. I think people have certain expectations about what it would look like. Perhaps in the beginning they thought it would, it would be chitty chitty bang bang or something or mm-hmm. it's just we're just going to have every buying cars right away without maybe n- recognizing that it's a messy process that s- things do happen in the as as they're progressing and you mentioned uh, what, what's interesting maybe an idea of railroads or mm. some steps that we might need to take so i guess what are maybe some some other ways transportation will change or some steps we might need to walk through before we get to that i guess end goal or that place where cars are shared and autonomous yeah i don't know I, I you know i really don't know because it depends you know if we had a a law where everybody had to live in cities and there was public transportation and that's one way to do it but it doesn't seem like we're as a society into mandating what people do i tend to agree with that you know i mean everybody yeah. into their own but in order for some of that to work because the the issue is is like you know you could sort of see it the wild-eyed jerk on 128, uh, you know, major highway around Boston, playing chicken with autonomous vehicle. Of course that's going to happen. I mean, you know, it's just going to happen. But in all of this sort of negativity, this same conversation was happening 100 years ago when vehicles were coming out, when iron horses were coming out, and how, oh my gosh, you know, you could kill somebody by doing that, and they're not going to pay attention, and they're not going to do this. Yeah, and didn't, didn't they think that going a certain speed could actually just kill you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it'll be fascinating. I think they're real issues. I am astonished, and I, I just saw this somewhere. I, I don't know where it was, but a thinker, you know, who is really commenting on society. It is amazing how few car accidents there are and how well 
people do with driving because it's really complicated. There's a lot to perceive. You know, we all have our pictures or our view of different people and, you know, some people just don't have it all together and yet they can get in a car and drive and not kill somebody. And, you know, it really takes most accidents or because somebody is drinking or doing something really stupid. So it's really profound that, you know, we take these machines that have hundreds of horsepower and the ability to do so much damage and they largely constantly are driving. I don't think there's a lot of changes that need to come in order for it to be autonomous. I think the convergence of the different technologies, the different radars or LIDARs or things like that, which are trying to basically machine vision and things like that. I think also, you know, some of it will be outfitting roadways with guidance, like embedded technology so that the car can know where it is, etc. would be helpful. And in putting technology in other cars so that now our cars can realize that we're 10 feet away from each other. And so that's going to be interesting when you say, okay, well, I've got an antique. You know, I've got a a 1974 Oldsmobile, and it's an antique. Do I have to put that technology in, that beaconing technology, that's going to say that when a driverless car comes up to me, it knows it's there, not just sees it, but it actually can use beaconing technology. And then there's ways to hack that beaconing technology. Beaconing. So how does that work? Does that use, is that satellite? Well, no. I mean, beaconing is a general term of some signal that comes on and off and provides a location awareness to something else. So if you see a beacon out in the the world, the concept of a beacon, a light, you say, oh, there it is. And it gives you some locational is that a word? Locational okay. context mm-hmm. of being able to say, oh, I'm, I'm not near the coast or I am near the coast. So beaconing, beacon technology helps identify something where it is. And so that would be useful in vehicles. I'm sure that they're, they're doing that and putting that kind of stuff in. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I think to myself, when, when I drive to work, these ways usually, and mm-hmm. that's, that's gamified to some extent, or you see there's still, there's still su- plenty of surprises, but I think there, there might be less in some ways. Yeah, I think Waze is brilliant. You know, uh, I used to commute from the North Shore of Boston down to Waltham, and I thought that that correlation of moving node information, so every car is a node and it has intrinsically, if I'm talking to the cloud, I can tell it, I can infer how fast I'm going. And so if I'm going really slow on a 55 mile an hour road, they can infer that there's traffic. And then they say, oh, they take that sample from me, but then they take it from your car, and you're going 70 miles an hour, so there must be something weird going on with me. But if we're all going five miles an hour, they understand that there's traffic. And so it's a fascinating way to sort of crowdsource real telemetry. And it seems like there's machine learning involved in that to some extent in terms of, I guess, statistics and rapidly recognizing you know, what well, might be certain. Machine learning is a is an interesting thing and a lot of things are going to be called machine learning and artificial intelligence over the next you know year to 10 years and it's hard to really quantify what is real machine learning or not it's not like um, uh, what's Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie uh, Terminator it's it's not that level of learning we really haven't had that level of breakthrough in something to actually think and so machine learning, I think it's, was it Isaac Asimov who said technology is indistinguishable from magic? Yeah, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. Or it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke. Like. Same thing, same guy, just different people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as we look at that, it, it is effectively magic until it's not anymore. Yeah, we just call it some word like woo-woo, like right. you know, it, it does something 
cool we don't understand right but that, that's fascinating well this has been a fascinating conversation paul appreciate it we'll have more information in our show notes as well uh, links to the articles we discussed thank you for joining us thank all right you, paul. thank you The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.